Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food. Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show that lives on the internet at marcusbronzy.com slash meets. So this is part two with Ben Bailey Smith, aka Doc Brown, here on Marcus Meets, and and there's something that Doc has done, which uh, whether you like it or not, he's very well known for. When you go to YouTube and type in his name, is the Russell Howard's Good News? Of course, yeah. I mean, it's sort and... of become a kind of a legendary moment in my career. That 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 one fifteen minute set. I've always been a believer in the. Um, the freeway lyric where he says one verse can fuck up the game. I've I've always believed that to be true. You know, you can see an actor have a minor part in a movie and steal the whole thing and, and build a career off of that one moment. Yeah. And it's the same in stand up, you know, and I think as much as it kind of grates on me a little bit, the, 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 the rap I did about T, um, it's just a phenomenon. I didn't itself. bring it up, yeah. I didn't bring it up. No, rough. no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to bring it up and talk about it because it interests me. Yeah. Of all the things that I've written, of all the things that I've spoken on, um, and all the messages that I've tried to purvey in in my work and in my career, uh, you know, which if you put them all together, if anyone was to collate everything I've ever said and everything I've ever written, they'll see that there's a pattern. All it is deep down underneath is about love and equality that's that's the message of everything i've ever written there's there's a there's a depth and there's a hidden layer to everything i've ever produced um but the tea song was just about tea right i don't know what the fuck i was thinking i bring you to my house as a friend in my kitchen you offered to make the tea naturally i say yes you're my guest so i take the offer gratefully but then what i see made my heart burst you only gonna put the fucking milk in first (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was written in i don't think i've ever written a rap quicker than that i wrote it in i'd say under 10 minutes and um enough time to make a couple brews yeah Yeah. and i performed it the night i wrote it in brighton reading it off a piece of paper and um the response was huge and i just thought oh great i've got a new closer basically i just need to make some music for it and uh I'll close my my sets with this, and every night I did it, it was ridiculous. Mm. Um, uh, so when the Russell Howard came up very soon afterwards, you know, I was developing material for that show. I thought, yeah, there's only one 
song to end with. I thought, yeah, it'll get. I did. I do remember thinking it will get a bit of traction from the UK audience on, on online, but you know, I mean, I'm told it's it's, it's upwards of three, four million views now. So I, I just, it, that amazes me. Constantly um, getting hits. I don't watch myself on YouTube. Mm. You may get that from yeah, what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I, I I like that I have a, a shelf life on there. I love that people share my stuff because I think we live in a very cynical overly aggressive and anti-social world at the minute where people don't really trust each other there's not a lot of openness and i like to think my comedy and my music is something that people of like different backgrounds and whatnot can sit around and just find funny and entertaining and and joke about it together of course i think that's why that one stood out so much because it embodied all of that and Mm. you might not have even yeah like you, i didn't you, even you, think you, about you, it you try to do that at a time no no I just, I just thought this is something that british people get really hit up about yeah. so i thought it'd be funny to to touch on it but actually what's happened is like you say very 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 rightly it's sort of tied into that deeper layer of love and equality because you know i've had muslim guys jewish guys uh gay lesbian uh you know uh, transgender super old oaps teenagers students all sorts of people contact me saying exactly the same thing about that song how much joy it brought them how fun how funny they felt it was um how they you know quote it to their friends at work or at school or whatever and uh as much as I'm like, hey, I got other shit. I'm, it <laughs> makes me really proud. It cut because it cut through. like these guys yeah. in other circles might be arguing about something or mm. fighting to the death over something, mm. and yet this this ridiculous ditty about tea it brings them all together. So yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of it. It cut through. Um, it, and and you know, like you said, like I could I sent it to my mum. She had a giggle. Yeah, I sent it to my dad. And it's giggles. it's quite Cousins funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's so littered with aggressive swearing doesn't feel that way it feels you it feels like something you could play to your kids um and i should probably create an edit edited version so people can play it to their kids but even you know yorkshire t who've championed me on online that it was born from that song yeah and it, even they post it like with a warning sporadically they'll post it and say hey you know we don't um we, we, we're not promoting the, uh, the the swearing but mm. we're very much promoting the because uh, I, I created an album at the end of last year called uh, Empty Threats mm. which um, I'm going to perform in its entirety at, at Glastonbury which is an album of you know all the best comedy songs um, that I did in my time on the circuit um, and I really should have made a, an edited version of that but I just thought fuck it yeah Glastonbury <laughs> excited for that I can't wait for that um I've done it the past two years and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's always a blast. I mean, a quarter of a million people in a field, it's, it's insane. Mm. Um, you can feel the love at Glastonbury. It's, it's unlike any other festival. There's so many festivals out there now, you know, British people, we love, we love them. But some of them are just not festivals. It's just a, a fairground and some shops, you know. And uh, then, you know, the bog standard acts that they always book. Um but Glastonbury's something else. It's something else. There's a spirit there, like with Woodstock, where it's you can't quite put your finger on what's going on, but you can feel the energy 
Mm. Because it's not every day you have a quarter of a million people in a field in close proximity, all focused on, on one thing, having a good time. It's very hard to go there and just like, I'm always surprised when I see other comics or, or musicians come down and say, hey, what's going on, man? Or, what are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to be around on Sunday? And they're like, oh, no, we're just doing the gig and then we're off. I'm like, I, how can you treat it like just like a, a club gig? I just, I don't understand that. Like when I'm there, I'm there. I'm there and I always make sure I perform on the Friday night so I don't have to do shit on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. Um, yeah, there was one year where I accidentally I got booked for the, like to close the tent on Sunday night. I was like, oh man. Mm. You know? like peak, that's Pete Raven. Oh. Raven time. Yeah, but also like I got to stay kind of straight like in the build up to Sunday night. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear that. Long. I hear that. I mean, we so, know yeah. that they're going to love property. Um, but out of all of your sort of, you know, your, your comedy raps that you mm. do, what's one that you like the most? I know it's hard to tell you because I know you like your material. Your material is great, but what's one that yeah, stands I mean, out that, to you? No, it's a tough question for a different reason because with the comedy songs, I'm like, you know, the joke to me isn't that funny anymore. So it's, it's all about like trying to work energy into the performance of it. But um, yeah, it's, it's a toughie. I'd probably say the very first one I ever performed on television on Comedy Rocks, which was like a lullaby to my kids. I'd say that's probably the one that stood the test of time for me. I, I really love it. And it's, it's just is what it is. It's like, it's such a, it's such a real thing. And it's, it's, it's family orientated. It's, it's sweet, but it's raw as well. And there's, you know, there's no swearing on it, but it's about something really rude. So I just, I just love, I love how sort of deceptively simple it is. Yeah, shout out to all the towels out there as well that are doing their job. Yeah. <laughs> across the world. Um, yeah, I was actually literally just playing that before you came in here. Mm. Play it as producer Milo. Because, um, yeah, that's one of the ones that, um, obviously, everyone knows property. Slang 101. Um, but that's a really, really good one as well. So your your comedy career is kind of, where I feel you went from Doc Brown mm. and sort of towards like now the last three or four years is where we've kind of been referring to you more as, as Ben Bailey mm. Smith. Mm. Um, what is your situation with that? I mean, am I calling you Doc? Am I calling you Ben? Yeah. I mean, it's probably the first other? question that everybody asks me. And um, yeah, I, I guess my own, this at the start. <laughs> my only answer is that I'm, I'm both, you know, Doc, Doc Brown was never a character as my nickname at, at school that became my rapper name as a teenager quite naturally and organically. And um, for one reason or another, I don't really know why I retained it when I started doing stand-up. I guess because I was rapping within the stand-up, it just seemed the right thing to do. Um, and then there was a period about three years ago where I really regretted retaining it. I really felt like I should have just used my own name because... Um, when I do stand-up, it's not as a character. It's just me. Like, it's just me talking about my life, my life in rap, my life now, and rapping, which is what I do. It's what Ben does. Like, um, But in the past couple of years, I've realized actually it works quite nicely because as soon as I got into writing and acting for the screen, I knew when I saw the credits at the end of a show that I was working on and it said Doc Brown, I was like, I didn't didn't feel right you know i was mm. like no like i want my name in the credits like everybody else has got their name in the credits you know mm. so i immediately started saying credit me as my real name 
And the more acting I did, the more I thought this is nothing to do with rap. It's nothing to do with stand up. Therefore, it should just it should just be my name. And despite the fact that I've now got two names, I mean, bear in mind that, you know, I'm 37 now and I've been Doc Brown since I was, what, 15? So it's not a stage name. It's like, it is my name. Like, yeah, Doc, Doc is my name. If I hear someone say Doc, like, I turn mm. in the street. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Me- members of my family call me Doc. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of my closest friends call me Doc to this day. So it is my name. Um, but what's happened quite nicely is that when people think Doc Brown, they do think stand-up or they do think rap. Mm. And, um, you know, when I go in and audition for huge producers in the UK and Hollywood, they don't give a fuck about Doc Brown. You know what I'm saying? They're like, who's this actor? Ben, we want to meet him. You know, I can't be going in there going, I'd prefer if you call me Doc, <laughs> you know, like they don't give a shit. Mm. They're interested in the acting. So I actually feel like it's a good separation. The other thing is, you know, if I'm doing some big emotional overblown drama or, you know, a big action movie or something like that, um, I don't think there'll be many producers who appreciate when they're trying to promote that, that there's this ridiculous um, song about rap that comes up every time they're trying to, you know, promote this movie on, on, on online. And with the name separate, that it doesn't happen as much. Right. In fact, I meet fans every day who haven't fully made the connection. Cool. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Four O'Clock Club in a second, but cool. quick one. Why don't you look at YouTube? I think, like I said before, um, about where we're at as human beings, the the nature of our emotional and uh, our emotional evolution. I think because we're slightly scared of the future, because we're slightly unsure of ourselves, a lot of us. A lot of us react by being mean. Um, what fear does is it, it creates loathing. If you're, if, you're, if you're afraid, you get very angry at being made afraid. So you lash out. Um, and I think the internet as it is at the moment is the perfect, the perfect reflection of that. Um, a coward can be abusive uh, behind a keyboard with a with a fake name, There's, nothing's ever going to come back to them. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm not thick skinned, but I don't need every day to be reading negative things about myself, even from complete strangers, um, because after a while it has a cumulative of effect and it gets you down, man. It gets you down, and it's not it's not what I'm about. Um, I like to think as positively as I can about my work and about myself. Um, I've struggled with depression in the past and I don't, I just don't think I need to get that involved with myself and with strangers. I just don't, I can't see the benefit in it. Put it this way. When you do stand up, you get reviewed, right? I don't read the reviews for a very simple reason. If it's a five-star review and it's absolutely brilliant, I'm going to swagger on stage the following night like I'm the god of comedy. And the real god of comedy will strike you down if you get up on stage and and uh, swagger about like you're the man um, and you'll turn off audiences. If I read a zero-star review, then all of a sudden I, 
I'm full of self-doubt and I'm rewriting the show and uh, I'm coming out the following night with worse material because I've totally lost faith in the material because of how savagely it was it was torn apart so I don't see either as being beneficial Um, and I see I think the same thing about YouTube comments why do I want to read 300 comments saying that I'm amazing I'm the man like you know who I want to say like I'm the man I I want my mum to say it I want my wife to say it I want my kids to say it I want my best friends to say it, although they never do. They all think I'm a prick. (laughs) Um, You know, I just think you get, you can get very caught up in yourself and in negativity or positivity about yourself based on these complete strangers. Look at the, look at the nature of Instagram and Twitter and some of the biggest forms of social media. Now they're all people taking pictures and videos of themselves and presenting a version of themselves that they hope will be attractive to complete strangers around the world. That's what we're all doing. Nobody's analyzing it. We're just doing it and thinking, ah, it's fine. It's fucking weird is what it is. It's really, really strange. And people might say, oh, well, you're hypocritical because your, your very job is putting, your, like, putting a version of yourself out there on camera. Yeah, but it's my job. Do you know what I'm saying? I, in, in my personal life, I just, you know, I live like I lived in the 90s before I had any of this technology in my hands. And, you know, people can say, well, dude, you need to fucking, you need to wise up and you need to, you need to get with the times. All right, well, you do that. Don't worry about what I'm doing. You know, there's a Drake lyric where he says, um, well, everybody's uh, partying. I'm, I'm just here making all the music that they party to. And that's kind of how I feel about, my professional life you guys you keep doing the selfies and the snapchats and and you know spend spend your time doing that and 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 sharing my stuff i'll be making the stuff that you share and in between that time i'll be doing my thing my Mm. downtime because there's um you kind of hit a nail on the head saying that you know you're putting yourself out there for public review when you're Mm, doing this stuff which can lead to if you do get neg- if you get positive comments that can have an effect and, and negative comments can also have another effect and, and a thing that's kind of come to the forefront of discussion has been depression so what was your journey through depression well what, what point in your career was it something that that was something you had to deal with or you or you had a journey through yeah I mean I've never really talked about it publicly so I guess it's a bit of an exclusive and I don't want to get into it too deeply because it's it's, it's very heavy but anybody who's who's suffered from it knows what it is they know that it's debilitating and they know that if your work is in the public eye. It's not going to help um, trying to uh, outlive it and s- survive it and, and, and move on. So it's a tough thing to deal with. And it's something that I'm always scared uh, might come back. But um, I also know what makes me happy and I know what makes me sat- satisfied. Whereas before uh, the first bout of it, I don't think I was really sure of, what happiness was and i think you know we all search for this nirvana but uh, it doesn't exist and uh happiness is is uh it's a construct um you can't work towards this final happiness where you've achieved everything and you're totally happy that never comes happiness comes and goes in the same way as sadness and the same way as fear and you grasp it when it's there and you enjoy it for as long as it lasts and then in the, the on the downside when it's not there you just think well 
I'm sure it will come around again. And you try and do things in your life, be kind, uh, try and achieve things that you've wanted to achieve and you notice it come back. Um, so that's the, that's the positive way, the positive spin to put on it. Um, I tend to peel all the way back, turn everything off and focus on the really simple things that you can actually reach out and touch. Um, so I stay offline first and foremost. Uh, I go to places that always have an effect on me. Um, there's a, there's a churchyard, uh, a disused church heart, churchyard in, uh, in Idle Lane near, um, near Fleet Street um, in the city called St. Dunstan's in the East. And uh, it was designed by Christopher Wren, one of the most famous architects in the world, you know, designed St. Paul's Cathedral. Um, and it was, uh, it was bombed heavily in the Second World War. A lot of people lost their lives. Um, but the four walls of um, the uh, the main body of the church still remain, and instead of rebuilding it, what they decided to do was turn it into a like memorial garden. And um, you know, it's off Fleet Street, it's not far from from Tower Hill. And you, if you've ever been down that part of the city, you know how hectic, how crazy it is there all the time. Um, but yet, you can go into that garden at St Dunstan's. Uh, you know, in the middle of the the lunch rush, and the the way the the ivy and the, uh, the the plants and flowers in there have grown up the walls, they've created a room as dead as this. You know, it's 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 so peaceful, um, and you look up expecting to see a ceiling, and you see the sky, and that always calms me, as does. Um, as does the heath um and then the other thing is 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 my kids because you know when you got kids young kids they don't focus on the past or the, the future obviously they get upset about stuff but it's so fleeting the rest of the time a, a small child's focus is on having the most fun they can possibly have in this moment so they don't understand uh depression in adults and there's no reason they should do you know it shouldn't be something that they have to deal with at their young age and you know so, I mean it's heartbreaking when you you hear about or come across children who are in abusive households or have suffered uh, for, for one reason or another but the majority of young kids you can learn so much from them from watching them so sometimes when I'm down you know I talk to my seven year old and she'll tell me some you know wacky story that's a proper of nothing um, but it just makes me think you know the simplicity of your life and what makes you happy it's, it's beautiful you know and uh, it's it's a constant it's a constant frustration to me that we we write off children and, and animals because you watch them even briefly you learn something really profound about what life maybe is supposed to be you know we've created a million distractions for ourselves Yet, I don't know if we've ever had a profound togetherness as, as deeply ingrained as a, 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 a communal spirituality since the dawn of man, you know? When you hear about these incredible Egyptian dynasties, Turkish dynasties, you know, all over Africa and 
you know, early, early man was deep. Peru, you know, early man was amazing. Um, I'm not saying we're not still amazing and we haven't got the potential to be amazing. I just think we've created a lot of problems for ourselves. And when you see children, you realize they haven't engaged in that yet. They're still the purest form of human being. I feel like from what you're saying, it's like we, we, um, it's, we almost learn all of these to put all these additives into our life which yeah. at this, you know while we're thinking that we're adding stuff it's actually subtracting in terms of well totally totally why do you start smoking and then spend the rest of your life trying to give up it's it, these are unnecessary things that we've added to ourselves mm. and I'm I'm not saying all this by the way because I'm like some fucking Dalai Lama I make all the same mistakes that, that everybody else makes sometimes worse you know and I've I've done all sorts of, of things in the past that i'm not proud of that have definitely not helped me in any way um but you know it's all part of the learning process but if you spend a little more time watching the things that are undeniable like the innocence of childhood uh, the, the the growth of, of 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 trees and plants vegetation the behavior of animals these things are undeniable right you focus on those things you you see well wow technically none of these living organisms children plants animals have any of the things that i covet the things that i have the things that i own um the things that i focus on and yet look at them they're all just <laughs> cracking on they're having a great time so i don't know maybe there's a lesson in that maybe there isn't but yeah when i'm down i, I try and i try and focus on that because it, it makes it just puts things in perspective Appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. I'll, I'll take that on board. And Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm going to ask you a happier question now. <laughs> um, four o'clock club. Yes. Um, you know, you, you 
it's it's a children's BBC show. Mm-hmm. You are the reason um, that came into play. As yeah, far I as created that show. Yeah, what is the Four O'clock Club? Um, it's uh, a thirteen part uh, continuing series, uh, kind of comedy drama musical for children aimed at sort of I'd say sort of seven to twelve year olds, eight to twelve year olds. Um, it lives on CBBC. It's uh, five series deep now so 13 episodes a series that's a lot of episodes um it's one won some baftas some rts's you know the biggest prizes in television um i'm immensely proud of it i don't uh work on it regularly anymore um because obviously i have a lot of other commitments uh but it just keeps rolling on man a new generation of kids gets on board and, and, and loves it you know i mean we started in 2010 so now I see 18-year-olds on the street who come up to me. I think, oh, here we go. So, you know, it's going to be some Doc Brown stuff or some acting stuff or I love this, I love that. And they say, bruv, when man was 12, like, when <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that show, bruv, there was never anything like with Raph on TV, bruv. Yeah. And it's, it, it makes my day when that happens. I think it's, it's beautiful. And I think, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's been, it's been six years. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm immensely proud of that. And I... You know, when I was a kid, my mum used to scream the house down if there was ever, you know, a black person on television. And we'd all, like, gather around and watch it like it was some kind of ritual. But I was just my house. Um, no, I think it's every black British household, you know, because yeah. in America, there's always been black people on TV. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about, like, in the 50s and stuff, but, you know, from the from the sort of early 70s on, onwards, there was, you know, you had, you had so many so many things, even if they were slightly stereotypical or whatever. Mm. There was always black people on television, whereas here it was such a rarity. And if you're growing up in London or in, in Birmingham or in Manchester, you'd walk out of your house and there'd be black people everywhere. So it was really weird, I think, for a lot of multi- multicultural city citizens in the, in the UK to only see white people on television. So there was a part of me with Four O'Clock Club. From The only thing that was a deal breaker for me was that the, the, the two heroes had to be actors of color like that was absolutely crucial um and i always wanted to battle the idea that the heroes couldn't be black like the helper of the hero could be black or you know the villains or 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 whatever i just i never believe that to be true that because you live in a largely white uh population they can't get on board with a black hero. I just don't believe that to be true. And obviously, I'm not saying the four o'clock club was the thing that proved it. Hollywood's proved it. You know, mm. Will Smith's career tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, people have no problem with it at all. It's only the studios and the producers who who have like you know they need to wake up and, yeah. and realize that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm 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 immensely proud of it, and I, it's amazing that it's still going and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, great show. I mean, it. What stands out to me with that show is it looks like quite a feat to have, you know, like you said, acting, musical, mm. raps in it. Yeah, there's I mean, like, like cut scenes where it's like, you know, there's effects and stuff like that. What's the process of, of making a, well, like a, a, you know, a 13 part musical? That was my th- format. And I, you know, I thought about it in short form terms. So like I got that show greenlit on the BBC by creating um, just a tiny five minute version of how I saw characters going from acting in dialogue into rapping and then back into acting you know which is nothing new they've been doing that in musicals since the, you know the dawn of dawn of cinema um but 
I had no idea how much work it would be once we started talking about them as as 25 minute episodes. I mean, three songs per episode. By the time I I stopped working on the Four O'clock Club, I'd written 146 songs. 146 songs. And and my my partner, who I make all my music with for stand up, he made the music for Property. Uh, Mikis, you know the work. He's still working on it. The the work that he's done is unreal, and the time constraints we're under and the low budgets. I don't think it's ever been matched in television history, in anywhere in the world. I don't think anybody's made as much music for for a show as as me and Mikis have over five seasons. Bruv, because they're not. I'm I'm baffled by that because they're not shitty little raps. There's no no no. They're fully formed. Music produced. They're fully and- formed. And I, it was so much work that I had to, like, I just couldn't do it anymore. It got to the point on the fourth series where it was like, I can't take three months out from everything else I'm doing to write mm-hmm. all these songs. So I had to walk away. And it was really hard because we thought, well, who else can do this under the time constraint? I said, well, this is the main reason I'm able to walk away because I do know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now my, my younger brother, Luke, writes all the songs. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Kept so in the family. It's still in the family and... Um, yeah, he's amazing, and uh, I say he writes even better hooks than me as well. So he's he's really taken it to the next level. Um, okay, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's it's something unique, and um, I love that kids love it. So some people know this, some people don't. Your sister is uh, Zadie Smith, mm-hmm. um, also of this parish. Also of this parish, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I should have read her books. You really uh, should have. I really should, and I um, will. My my mum has told me about these books for a long time. Yeah, and you can't um, be a Northwest Londoner without yeah. reading White Teeth and NW. I mean, she's exactly. actually named one book after the yeah. area, so those are absolute musts. But there's um, one thing I'm not a liar, bruv. So I just had to say the truth. No, I appreciate um, it. A lot of people do, do bullshit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I, love, I love the love books. This, love White that. Teeth. What was what? your favorite bit? Uh, yeah, what was your favorite bit? Uh, <laughs> the bit where you spoke about <laughs> Northwest London. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. What's it? What? sort of words did she because what words did she have for you during your journey in the industry because you've she's somebody who's a talented writer yeah. you were also a talented writer we now found out that your little brother's a talented writer as well yeah. um what input did she have on your career um i don't think i could have really embarked on my career with the same confidence without her and i don't mean that in terms of constant advice i mean just in her very presence and her achievements um it's difficult to express what a special individual she is i mean at my mum's house when you walk in when you walk into the living room there's a you open the door to the living room there's um a shelf with white teeth translated into i don't know 30 40 languages around the world all the different copies and what that says to you as a kid don't forget it's 2001 right so she was what 21 i was like 19 um what that says to you as a young man is your ideas can go anywhere if they're strong enough and if you believe in them enough and that was all i needed really to believe that whatever i turned to whatever i put my hand to i could make it work and i could make people understand it and i could make also make people happy by entertaining them i i got all of that from that bookshelf looking at that bookshelf um 
But then in terms of like actual advice, I remember when I started in stand up and there was a big hype about me and there was a lot of offers of diff different things to do. Um, I said to my sister, you know, I've been offered some money to do this thing. And she was like, sounds like you're not really into the idea. And I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm not, but the money's like really good. And she said to me, um, never forget what your job is, you know, what do you consider yourself? I said, well, you know, I'm a writer and a performer. And she said, and, and what elements of that does this job really entail? Because it sounds like they want to use your image and your your voice, but none of your actual talents in exchange for a large amount of money. She said, will you be a writer-performer on this job? I said, well, technically, technically no. She said, then you say no. I was like, yeah, but if I say no, like, Look at the money, like she's like she said to me, No is the most powerful world word in the entertainment business. And I don't think that there's ever been a truer word said to me. Um I said no to that job. They couldn't believe it. And ever since I've said no to more shit than you could possibly believe. Probably enough to have made me a million pounds. Can you tell us what that job was? Um well, that job was, it was an advertising campaign. Um, you know, I don't want to get into what brand it was, um, but it was the right decision. Okay. The money will come, you know. You know, you see these footballers uh, aggressively pushing for a move after only spending a year at the, the, you know, the club that raised them. Just think, dude, just, be, the money will come. Just play your football. Just play the game. Enjoy yourself. The money will come. If you've got the talent, the ability, the money will come. And um, for me, the money's come very, very slowly and gradually. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near a, a wealthy man yet. But I do believe that it will come. And every time I've said no to a huge producer or advertising company or a TV network, they just can't believe They're like, what? Mm. They think everybody's, every performer is just happy to be here. I'm not happy to be here. I've got something to say. Um, I'm not doing it because I'm so excited to be famous. I've got no interest in fame. I'm interested in making money, no question, because I've got a family to feed. But mainly, I'm interested in opening up a dialogue on the things that I think are important in life without being preachy, without forcing my opinions on people, because I think the way that I feel deep down is the way that everyone feels. I think we're all connected. I think we all have a responsibility to each other as human beings. Um, and I think we spend a lot of time pretending that's not the case. Do you know what? You've, this conversation's filled me with a lot of confidence, man. And I think that's what I mean. Listening to this See, as it well, happens it's very like every day. Words. Yeah. And um, I appreciate your time. And I've just got one more thing to ask you before sure. you leave it because I know you've got to fly out of here. Um, and this is for the How to Kill an Hour listeners, our, our, mm. our brother podcast. Well, we just worked out How to Kill an Hour. We, we worked out How to Kill an Hour with some great conversation. Thank you very much. But um, when you do get a bit of downtime, mm. I think you've already, you've, even, you feel free to say, especially if you've got to go, yeah, I just told you about that. But <laughs> when you've got some spare time, yeah. how do you like to spend it? I know you gave us a, a beautiful description of an area you like to yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is I love these. I love listening to podcasts. Um, okay. I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of podcasts and 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 obviously new music. I I love getting a um a recommendation from someone. Dude, listen to this. Um, 
someone recently put me on to Anderson Pack, and I'm just blown away by him. And I, I, as soon as I heard him, I thought, we're, we're kindred spirits. Just everything he's saying is everything that I feel. I went to his show at XOYO, and he was hanging around afterwards, you know, taking photos with the fans and stuff. I just went mm-hmm. up to him and I said that. And straight away, like, just in a, in a, in a, in a split second, we bonded, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, new music is a, is a big one. Podcasts is a huge one. I spend ages listening to them. Okay. And um, the third thing I, I think is, is probably vaping. I spend a lot of time vaping. Really? Yeah, just trying not to smoke. Okay. Yeah. Any? I'm not a vape. I don't know. Like, what? No. What do you use? Is it one of them big old thing ones it's, or the cigarette um, looking ones? It's kind of chunky. I'll get it out. It's about the size of a cigar. Um, but it's <laughs> a not cigar vape. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> we've added swag. It's not as oh, big. Shit. It's not as big as some of the ones you you see. Okay. But it's, it's powerful, and it it creates a nice. Plume of smoke. Okay, is is smoke important? What's some flavor and stuff? I don't know. I see it's kind of like a fruity stuff. flavor. Okay, it's basically like shisha. You know. Okay, I do love shisha as well, but uh, yeah, I don't want to put any more tar or or, or smoke in, into my body. And what I just inhaled mm, and exhaled, nice. yeah, it smells yeah, it's lovely. Nice, yeah. What I just in, inhaled and exhaled is uh, is an, it's like vegetable glycerin, food flavoring. Hey, okay. There's not even any nicotine in this. You're, you're nicotine free right it's now. Nicotine free. Fair enough. So right. it's made me realize that you're not addicted to nicotine. You're addicted to the habit. Mm. Just like a lot of things we've discussed today, human beings, we've we've forced ourselves to become addicted to all these things. I don't think you'll see, you'll match the grief of a person who's just realized they've lost their phone to many other things in life, you know. And that's a, that's a depressing state of affairs, isn't it? Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. Um, and you know what I think we're going to wrap it there bro because yeah, cool. um, I appreciate you got to go thank you I for do, more sorry. than an hour of time nah and um, yeah um, David Brent yes August 19th Life yeah. on the Road um, Brief Encounters. Encounters will be some point at the start of July 2016 yeah. ITV1 um, Taskmaster the comedy show we didn't get a chance to discuss that but that starts on Dave in the next few days cool um, and uh yeah, the album Empty Threats, uh, my comedy music album is out now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for those who are into proper, in inverted commas, serious music, um, I'm back in the studio at the moment finishing off hey. a comeback album, um, which will hopefully come out uh, this side of, of, of the end of the year. Um, if not, then, then definitely January. Look forward to that. Yeah. Because I've been on Spotify in the back catalogue. Yeah, recently. I put the back catalogue yeah, out yeah, there to get yeah. people sort of geared up, oh, prepared for a return because I'm coming back. Well, that's a powerful way to end the interview. Um, like I said, so much valuable information from Ben Bailey Smith there. And um, he's an inspiration with regards to the amount of quality content he puts out and, and shows that you can be versatile but not just be a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. You can be great at many things. Now, this show is produced and hosted by myself, Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to co-producers Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross, Milo Fisher, Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the intro and outro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcast for Apple devices or Acast, which works with every single phone I know of. 
If you're struggling to get it to work with your device, head to marcusbronzy.com slash meets to listen any way you desire. We would love your feedback in the form of a rating or review. You can do that by going to marcusbronzy.com slash review. And if you really want to support us, head to marcusbronzy.com slash coffee or marcusbronzy.com slash tea. Because if you donate the cost of a cup of coffee or tea to us every single month, we will ply you with bonus content, early episodes, releases, exclusive merch and tickets to live events and let you have input on actual show content and guests in the future. You can donate as much or as little as you want or nothing at all because this show's free to listen to. Thank you for your ears. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 